This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we give you everything you need to know about the Man Cup. Plus, we're going to talk about an American that made a little bit of history at the Minto Cup. Dylan Ward stopped by from the Six Nations Chiefs to talk about their outlook taking on the Brards. And from the Brards, it's my good buddy, Rob Williams. All that and more on OTCB. I am an outlaw. And welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. I am your host, Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. You can also email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Are you ready? I mean, like, Triple H style, are you ready? Are you ready? I said, are you ready? I mean, how can you not be, right? It's the last major indoor championship to be decided in Canada, and it gets going in three days. And it's between the Maple Ridge Berards, who... Some people would call it an upset of the Victoria Shamrocks. Taking on the Six Nations Chiefs, who pulled off, unfortunately, what the Burnaby Lakers couldn't do, and were able to manage the reverse sweep. They were down 0-3, and they came back and won four straight games, including Game 7 on enemy territory, and they advanced to the Man Cup. We have a jam-packed show here for you today. Uh, we're going to talk to Colin Monroe of the Minto Cup champion Coquitlam Adnax in a little bit. We're going to get him right off the hop and kind of set the stage for everything else that's coming later on in the show. And by later on in the show, I mean not too far away. Uh, Dylan Ward, the MVP of the Major League Series Final, will join us, a member of the Six Nations Chiefs. And then we'll be joined by the Maple Ridge Berards head coach and the WLA head coach of the year, Rob Sato-Williams. However, we have some things to kind of get you caught up to date on. Um, we're going to talk Minto Cup. Uh, we covered it heavily last week uh, when we had Christian Del Bianco on the show. He's already in the National Lacrosse League as a member of the Calgary Roughnecks. All those players who want to become a part of the National Lacrosse League. Pay attention because the 2016 NLL Combine is going to go September 24th and 25th. That's a Saturday and Sunday, just a few weeks from now at the track in Oakville. Uh, the Combine opens with the first session late on Saturday night around 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then on Sunday, it's pretty much all day long. First practice goes at 9 a.m. And then all day activities, uh, including the world-famous prospects game. Uh, teams will be doing interviews throughout and just getting to know the players, checking things out, and seeing who they like, seeing who they don't like, checking their lists. 
Um, but if you go to NLL.com, uh, the lead story is this combine. And if you are a player who just may be wanting to enter the draft, uh, maybe you've given up your eligibility or realize, you know what, college isn't for you and you just want to throw your name in the hat, uh, there are some, there is some information on how you can uh, be involved in the draft and in the combine. It's $150 per person, um, and your deadline is in two days. So um, make sure you get that in quick. The deadline is Thursday. Um, so if you want to be a part of the draft, you want to be part of the combine, get your names in soon because the Saskatchewan Rush are on the clock. It's 50-50 who they're going to take. Let's call it 70-30. Um, all signs are pointing towards Derek Keenan taking his son. That could change. It could. I don't think it will, but it could. Um, and then from there on out, let the pieces fall where they may. So, again, uh, go to NLL.com um, and find their combine story. Uh, it's the first one up there currently as I read this to you and as I talk to you. Uh, it might move down the pecking order in a few days, but you only have two more days to get your name in. So get on that PDQ. Um, a few transactions to bring you up to date on in the NL as well. Uh, the Toronto Rocks signed Reed Reinholdt to a one-year contract. Uh, the New England Black Wolves signed Sheldon Burns to a three-year deal. Uh, the Rock also locking up Jeff Gilbert and Brock Sorensen, uh, Brandon Miller and Steve Fryer, Kyle Aquin, Luke Magnol, and Turner Evans. All signed uh, deals. Uh, Aquin, Magnon, and Evans signing multi-year deals. Uh, Matt McGrady signed a one-year contract with the Saskatchewan Rush. Scott Carnegie signed two years in Calgary. And Brody McDonald uh, re-upped for one more year with the Georgia Swarm, which will be interesting to see how all of that plays out, especially since they brought in Mike Poulin on a three-year deal. And everything kind of points to him being their number one, but that makes a very interesting goaltender battle to start training camp as you have Big Brody McDonald uh, and Zach Higgins who were there last year for the Swarm, and now you have Mike Poulin. So three good goaltenders in camp going to be battling out for that number one spot. Uh, the Vancouver Stealth uh, signed Patrick Miles a few weeks ago to a one-year deal, so they'll have him in camp as well. Um, if you're new to lacrosse, uh, there's no guaranteed money in the NLL, and just because a player is signed to a one-year deal doesn't mean they've made the team. It just allows them to attend camp for insurance purposes. Um, so that's the NLL stuff. Uh, again, um, the combine is in a few weeks. The draft shortly to follow. So stay tuned here to Off the Crossbar and NLL.com for more as we get closer. Um, but as we mentioned, uh, we have a jam-packed show, so let's kind of hop to it as they say. Uh, Coquitlam Adnax still reveling in their first Minto Cup in six years. They are enjoying the fruits of drinking from the Chaliced Cup. But one player um, who got a lot of recognition, but I don't think deserved enough recognition for what he did, uh, and that's Colin Monroe of the Junior Adnax. He finished third on the team during the Minto Cup with 16 points. He played all eight games, uh, five goals, 11 assists. Sorry, he played eight of nine games. Um, five goals, 11 assists for 16 points. Uh, finished two points behind uh, John Hofseth and Jean-Luc Chetner for the team lead um, and was fantastic. And 
completely contributed uh, as well as anybody did for Coquitlam. He was a huge part of Pat Coyle's system and a real asset for Kyle Sorensen out the front door. But what a lot of people may not know is that Colin Monroe is actually from Denver. And now I don't have the annals that go back to 1901 in the first Minto Cup. Um, but through the people that we've spoken to, um, you know, Dave Stewart Candy and the guys who run Live Lax Blog and all, some of the guys out east, I don't remember, and they can't think of anybody, a pure American winning a Minto Cup. Now, uh, there have been um, some Native Americans to win, uh, the Minto Cup. But Carl Monroe isn't a Native American. He's a blue blood American. And for all accounts and purposes, the first American that people can think of to win a Minto Cup. There have been guys on teams that have gone to the Minto, um, but Monroe is one of the first, if not the first, American-born player to come to Canada and win a Minto cup he's already gone back to school and he's taken some time to step out of the classroom and into a quiet spot for the most part to join us here on the off the crossbar podcast he joins us now colin how are you my friend and how's high school it's totally different coming up what? there competing every day and back here behind in school <laughs> do uh d- does anybody know uh down there what you've accomplished does anybody you know kept the prize of what was going on with you during the summer yeah, you know, a lot of kids on our lacrosse team actually followed the Minto and watched streams and games. And Steve Govett, the general manager of the Mammoth, his son goes to my high school, so he was awesome. too. Yeah, so a fair amount of people knew about it, knew what was going on. Have you been able to try to convince him to come up and play some summer ball? Yeah, he's actually thinking about coming up next year. I'm not sure where he's going to go because I think he's dad's from Ontario. But, yeah, yeah I think he's going to try to play some box next summer. That's awesome. So – the Minto Cup, and I'm not sure a lot of people know this, uh, you're like one of, if maybe the only true American to ever win a Minto Cup. Um, when you think about the history of Canadians playing it and, and the small history of Americans playing it, does it put it into perspective of how big this actually was? Yeah, you know, I, some the Minto Cup, I remember just being a little kid, always hearing my dad talk about it. And, Finally, one summer I went up to Canada and just realized how big of a deal it actually was. And where everyone was all, they're playing minor lacrosse, but they're trying to build to be a great junior player and win a Minto. And mm-hmm. just to get a chance to do it is really cool and it's a huge honor. But as, as an American to come up here, like Canadians live and breathe the indoor game. For a guy that wasn't too familiar with it actually playing it, you've obviously known about it because of your dad, Jamie. But to experience it and be involved in a Minto Cup, can you put it into words, or is it still kind of a shock mode right now? Yeah, it's still it's still pretty surreal. Uh, it's unbelievable. Just uh, being the only American is one thing, but just being able to do it with the team we did is really cool. Mm-hmm. That experience with that group, uh, it's been a group that's been together for a while now, and, and they came together as the year went on. Was there a turning point for this group that really realized that, you know, this was going to be our year? Maybe it was after losing to Delta in the BC final, but was there a moment where you guys were like, okay, this is this is going to be our time? Yeah, well, 
the the way the systems Pat Coyle put in all year, we kind of knew the Mentos what we were building for all year. And even in games we were blowing teams out, we had to play really well just to make ourselves better for the Mento. And then to combine that with all the stuff we did together and bonding as a team and watching Delta celebrate the BC final on our mm-hmm. floor, I think it all kind of came together and and made for a perfect storm come Mento time. That had to have been tough, uh, watching Delta celebrate on your floor and, and, and see them kind of upset the apple cart a bit. How much motivation did that give you guys uh, heading into the Minto Cup? Yeah, it gave us tons of motivation. Uh, I remember Coach uh, Kreider said in the locker room after that game, it's pretty cool because not many times you get to watch a team do that to you on your home floor and they get to go play them again for something mm-hmm. more important in a couple weeks. So just just having that on the back of our minds, even though we didn't get a chance to really play them in a meaningful game, just going into the Minto with a sour taste in our mouth definitely gives a little bit of an edge. Were there a few smirks when you guys realized that they were going to be eliminated after that second game? <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a couple. It was <laughs> nice, too, for the older guys being able to rest them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we keep kind of coming back to this American thing, but for a guy that, you know, like we talked about, was fairly new to the indoor game, what were some of the biggest challenges for you uh, as an American field lacrosse player? Yeah, you know, I've actually been playing indoor since my minor – year I played out in Ontario but just right. moving up to the junior level the speed is so much faster so much more physical and just getting the crap beaten out of you is <laughs> a big difference but there's there's so many guys I could learn from on the roster we just had such a deep roster and just taking everything in really helped making the jump from intermediate to junior easier is that a big thing for, for you do you think to get more Americans to come up and play is finding you know, one or two guys that they can attach themselves to to learn the ropes and kind of get accustomed to the Canadian lifestyle? Yeah, a lot of Americans have actually reached out to me and, and uh, they were thinking about coming up and playing, and I just told them how much fun it is and how much fun the boss game is. And a lot of them don't even really know just how much fun it actually is until, yeah. they, until they try it. And I'm sure once more Americans start trying, trying it out, they're going to love it and fall in love with it. What, what's the biggest tip that you would give uh, an American kid that wanted to come up and play? <laughs> pad up. <laughs> the, more, the, the more you pad up, the easier it is. And yeah. Just learn to play with all that equipment on and get in the middle and take a beating and hopefully it doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, were there some moments where, where during the games you're like, man, I wish I was back home, or has it always been box has just been the best thing for you? Yeah, box is box has always been the best thing for me. I haven't been at home in the summer for about six or seven years. And yeah, I just love going up to Canada every summer and competing. Uh, one guy that a lot of people will talk about after this Minto is your goalie, Christian Del Bianco. Uh, Eighteen turned nineteen two days after winning the Minto Cup, and it was just an incredible performance by him. But as a guy that got to play with him all year long, how remarkable was he? Oh, he was incredible. I actually got a chance to live with Christian, too, this this season. Oh, and just living with him and watching him play every day in practice. And it was always – I would always get so pissed when I wouldn't score on him. I would never <laughs> score. <laughs> he would learn all my shots, and he would yeah. know exactly where I'm shooting, and I would never be able to score on him. And just playing against him in practice every day definitely made me a better shooter. And the way he played in competing games all season was pretty remarkable. And remarkable is a great word to use for a kid who was 18 years old. And, and up until, you know, the, that 
BC final, had never lost a game uh, to a BC team in his entire career. The future's incredibly bright for him. He's already in the National Lacrosse with Calgary. Is that where you hope to go with your lacrosse career after your time at, at Vista Heights and, 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 and the NCAA as well? Yeah, uh, I would I would like to do that. I've I've definitely got a long ways to go and got to compete in college first. But yeah, I think that would be a cool path to take and follow in my roommate's footsteps. Yeah, absolutely. So so what's next after high school for you? Oh, uh, after high school here, and then off to school, off to the university. Uh, are you at UNC? Is that where you're committed to? Yes, that's where I'm committed to. And uh, what do you hope to major in? Do you have that? Is that too far ahead uh, for you? I, yeah, I think I'm going to be majoring in business. A fantastic summer for you and something I'm sure you'll never forget. What are you going to take away the most uh, from this summer with Coquitlam? Uh, you know, just the group of guys I got to play with. We we became so close to the team, and it was such a high-class organization. Everyone, Everything was so nice. And just being around, being, a, being an Agnac pretty much is yeah. unbelievable. The 3D program that is down there, how important was that to your development and how important is that for, for lacrosse in Colorado? Yeah, it's it's been huge. I've just been playing even before I was I was really good at box, like when I was still kinda of learning the ropes, I was just kinda of playing box in, in America, which is much different much mm-hmm. different box, but the way they set it up and gave us like little drills and small small sided reps playing box, that definitely Oh, it helped my box game out a lot. Well, my friend, uh, you are becoming a pioneer. Um, you may not seem like it now, it's still in high <laughs> school, but, but you are going to be a pioneer, and you're going to start a nice trend, and, and congratulations on the Minto. Uh, it was fantastic, and I know your dad is just beaming with light and happiness for you. And How much of a part was he a part of your growing as a lacrosse player? Oh, it's it's pretty – Absurd. Uh, <laughs> we talk. We we can talk about lacrosse all day long and talk about different stuff. And he watched all the box games this year on uh, Playful Screen, and mm-hmm. we were just kind of going back and forth, little things he sees, little things I see. And I think just the combination of the different way we think we see things it helps me as a player and him as a coach. It's pretty cool. Uh, those last ten seconds after Stroopy got that ball and, and ran up the clock and threw it down the floor. Uh, how exciting was it to be on that bench? <laughs> it didn't even it didn't even hit at first. You're just like, yeah. oh my god, like this is about to happen, <laughs> and then everyone's just running. You're just trying to rip your stuff off, and then yeah. even even a couple minutes after the game, everything was so surreal. It it really it really was cool. Well, first, I hope you got it. Was a- my first championship I've ever won, like a big important championship. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. That's that's got that's a pretty special one to win for your first time, my friend. Um, it was uh, a fantastic summer, and I know you, you got to refocus yourself and get back to the books, but I hope you get a chance to enjoy it, and I hope you uh, tell everybody your tales of summer in Canada. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. There is Colin Monroe from Mountain Vista High School in Colorado, one of the first, if not the first, American-born players to win a Minto Cup. He did it with the Adnacks last week, um, and in a year's time, He'll be headed to Johns Hopkins, become a Blue Jay, follow in the footsteps of Paul Rabel. I want to thank Colin for coming on the show. Uh, his father, Jamie, um, helped start 3D lacrosse and has been a huge box proponent. He, he loves the indoor game. And, you know, you heard Colin talk about, you know, 
a lot of guys are just asking, what's what's Canadian ball like? How do I get involved? Where do I go? Who should I play for? Um, well, let me tell you guys. There are a bunch of teams that would love to have you. And there's some great lacrosse to be played, and you will learn a ton. It will make your field game better. Um, you'll have a wicked-ass summer. Whether you're in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Ontario, wherever you go play. There's options for everybody. And who knows? Spend a couple years up here. You might just win yourself a Minto and have your name right alongside Collins as Americans to win one of the oldest trophies in amateur sports and arguably one of the hardest trophies ever to win in lacrosse. Uh, in BC, most guys only get three years. You get the odd player who can bump up and play a few more years. In Ontario, you really only get five years at a chance and a crack at the Minto. And uh, when I asked Christian Del Bianco this question last year, I said, hey, you know what? If, if they said to you right now, hey, Christian, you're good enough. You can go play senior A. We're just going to level you up. Are you good with that? He said, no, I want to play junior. I want to win that Minto Cup. You only get so many chances at it. And Colin Marone made the best of his chances, and he is now a Minto Cup champion. Another guy who just so happens to be a Minto Cup champion, also moonlights in Denver, is the 2016 Major Series Playoff MVP Dylan Ward, goaltender for the Six Nations Chiefs. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier on today, and one of the first questions I asked him was, was there ever any doubt in that Chiefs locker room when they went down 3-0 to the Peterborough Lakers? Honestly, I don't think I don't think we ever thought it wasn't possible. You know, I mean, we were we were down 0-3, but you know, the first two games were very winnable. We we kind of handed the first one over. The second one was a one-goal game. Uh, easily could have gone both of those games. Easily could have gone our way, and then the third one we really just handed to them. We played awful. Yeah. I mean, myself especially, I played terrible. But you know, we were we were down 0-3, but it easily could have been 2-1. So. I don't think we ever had any panic in our room. We just we just knew that we uh, we had to win to continue our season, and we just took it one game at a time. You're very critical of yourself, as a lot of goaltenders are. What didn't you like about your play in those and especially that third game? Oh man, I I don't know if it was anything in particular. I was just bad. Just as simple yeah. as that. Um, you know, I I didn't have a great warm up. Um, just it just things just weren't right you know it just didn't feel right one of those games and it's one of those ones where you come out you're like all right let's get a couple saves under your belt and mm -hmm. you know go from there and and I didn't you know I think the first three shots went in on me and uh just turned to one of those things where I was trying harder and harder and harder and things just kept getting worse and worse so you know that first period was probably one of my worst first periods of all time and uh I just remember at the end of the first I looked at Richie and uh told him like i'm going back in like yeah i, I made this mess i gotta finish it out so uh he he looked at me he told me we've ridden you this far we'll ride you for for the next two periods and uh went back in and you know cleaned it up a little bit but still wasn't wasn't my best performance ever and and uh, i just knew after that game i had to get back to myself and you know i was i was really happy with the, the next four games after that as goaltenders do you like you know, if if you let in two or three bad goals and 
and the coach pulls you and then puts you right back, you know, like five seconds later, ten seconds later. Do you like that as a goaltender because it allows you to reset, or would you rather them not pull you and just let you figure it out yourself? You know, that's a that's a that's an interesting question. I think it it really is just situational. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think like I think if 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 you just get bombarded and you know it, it's just like a, like holy crap, what just happened kind of situation, like three goals and a minute kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of nice to just sit there and be like, let's get back. Let's get back to myself here. Just kind of shake it off. But, you know, if it, it if, it, if it's a, a thing where, you know, it's, it's stretched over a longer period of time, I think, I think it's, it, it's almost a little frustrating, but you know, it, it definitely makes sense what the coach is doing. And mm-hmm. it's, it is a good, good way to, uh, to kind of reset yourself. But, you know, like I said, like, I think it's just more situational than anything, um, whether it whether it helps or not, but you know that's up to the coaches. And and at the end of the day, uh, especially as a goalie, you have a job to do. And and if you're not doing it, the coaches need to do what they think they need to do to get get you doing your job. So I you- I I, uh, I think it helped. I think it helped me in that Peterborough game. But yeah, or it would have helped. I felt better going back in, but it mm. really didn't help at all. Um, did you think that Matt Vince was ever going to cross center and come down and say hello? Um, you know, my thoughts on that is if Matt Vince really wanted to fight me, he would have fought me. Yeah, Um, kind of what I thought. You know, I think it was more or less a thing just of, uh, you know, letting him know, like, all right, um, this can happen. But, you know, he he, he gradually walked down very slowly. There was no urgency (laughs) to it, so... Like I said, if he if he really wanted to come down and fight me, I don't think there was a person in that arena that could have stopped him from coming down. Yeah, exactly. Um, there wasn't a person in the arena that could have stopped Cody Jameson from getting back on that floor. Uh, they tried to. Um, they probably didn't want him to play, but how gutsy of an effort is it for him to just, as Ricky said, he just wanted to have a knee brace on and go out there and play. Yeah, talk about a leader, I mean. Yeah. You know, he he. There's no there's no reason why he he needed to play. Like he he's injured. He's definitely injured. We've all we all saw it. We've all seen him since then. Like, but for him to just come in for game four with a with a gear bag, we all kind of looked at each other. Like, What's going on here? Yeah. The next thing you know, it he's in the other room taping up his knee with a brace on. It it was it was unbelievable. Just. You know, and and the thing about it is that even though he's injured, he just takes that much more attention off of uh, off of guys like Dane and Benny yeah. and Doss, and just opens our offense up that much more. So even if he's not going at a hundred hundred percent, which you know, he, he, even at not at a hundred percent, he was still pretty darn good for us. Yeah, uh, he he just opened our offense up that much more and just gave us that that extra that extra kick to to be able to do what we just did. And it's and it's hard not to go to battle with a guy that is putting basically his well being on the line. Oh yeah, I mean it. it the guy's an absolute warrior. I, you know, I can only imagine how he's feeling feeling after the games and the next days after after a game. But you know, to it, he makes it pretty easy to to rally around him. And and mm-hmm. you know, it just gave, it just like I said, it just gave it gave us that extra edge. I think we needed to to be able to to mount that comeback. Uh, it's not just, you know, all on jammer. Obviously, everybody had to, to batten down the hatches, uh, starting with your defense. How important were they to help you guys get the momentum going in your favor? 
Oh man, our, my defense was huge, literally and figuratively huge. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it, it just they played so so well in front of me to to be able to to force their shots from the outside and you know obviously they have a very Peterborough had a very high powered offense with uh, a lot of big names on it so for us to be able to frustrate them and and force them to take the take outside shots definitely played into our favor and and they they really were great great in front of me and you know if uh we got a lot of good uh fast break chances too out of out of uh them putting the ball on the ground or picking up rebounds and getting to the bench so you know our, our, my defense played awesome in front of me and and I'm uh I'm I expect nothing less of from them uh, heading into the man um, before we kind of focus on the Man Cup, uh, as everybody knows, it was John Grant's last summer game, uh, so he says. I uh, can never really know if Junior's ever going to come back. But, you know, <laughs> as a guy who, who's played with him, uh, played against him, and seen him at his best, what are your summer memories of Junior? Well, I, I'd probably just like to say that I'd rather have him on my team than against, my, yeah. against me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he uh, he's he's um, he's amazing. Like he, He's definitely you know, one of the greatest of all time. And he's such a fun player to watch and, and fun player to play with. So, you know, if that was his last summer game, that's, that, that's too bad. It's been, a, he's had an unbelievable run in the summer and, uh, you know, but at the same time, hopefully that means he's saving a little extra for, uh, for the winter time. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been great to play with him. He's an awesome teammate. He's a great leader and, you know, he's a, he's a fun player to compete against, you know, he's such a competitor and, you know that last that last series, uh, the couple games that he played, you could just see how badly he wanted it, and he had that fire in his eyes, and and it, it was it was a, it was great to see, it was great to play against, because I just I just feel like that helps, you know, me personally raise my game to to another mm-hmm. level, seeing a guy like that, so, and with that compete level, so you know it it's it was a fun series against him, and he played he played awesome, especially that last game, he had a couple huge goals for Peter Rowe, and. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to shooting back up with them at training camp. Uh, the Mammoth training camp starts in, in a few months, but in a few days it is the Man Cup, your first uh, experience in the Cup. How are your nerves going in? Uh, I, I think my nerves are fine. I mean, it's just another lacrosse game, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's another it's another stage, but the, the game doesn't change. It's still a 16-minute game, so I still need to keep the ball in that, so... You know, I don't. I don't think uh, my nerves are are too bad. I'm definitely excited. Definitely looking forward to the opportunity to play in front of the, the Six Nation crowd. And and uh, you know, I, I I like you said, it's my first time playing the Man Cup. So you know, I, I great opportunity to try to try to capture another trophy. Obviously, you've been keeping tabs on everything that's been going on out west. But what do you guys know about Maple Ridge and and what's kind of an early game game plan for you guys? You know, uh, Maple Ridge is definitely the team we didn't we don't we don't know as much about. It's Victoria, obviously uh, uh, the Six Nation teams a few years ago who who played mm-hmm. the Man Cup played against Victoria, so they're a bit more familiar with them. But you know, we we know they have a great goaltender in Frank Chiliano or Chiliano. How how do you say his last name? Chiliano. It is Chiliano. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. So there you go. we know they have a great goalie in Frankie <laughs> Chiliano. Sorry, Frankie. I've been saying your name wrong for 25 years. Um, we know they have a very capable offense with a lot of, lot of with a good number of guys who can put the ball in the back of the mm-hmm. net, like you know Benny Mack, Mike Malley from uh, from my Mammoth, um, yeah. Riley Lowen, Dan Taylor, and Jared Davis. So, you know we're we're expecting a, a, a great series from them. Um, 
you know they're definitely you know they're going to be riding the momentum that they they created in the WLA playoffs, especially with it's what seemed to be a lot of people against them. So I'm expecting a a, a, a team with a chip on their shoulder, and you know it's going to be it's going to be a war. Uh, it'll be seven games in nine days if it goes that way. It was five games in five days for your Orangeville Northman at the Minto Cup. Is are we playing too much lacrosse in too short of a time span? Man, that Minto Cup was tough. I couldn't believe the schedule when I saw that. You know, the, I, it is a lot of lacrosse. Obviously, you know the Man Cup. The Man Cup's tough because guys have to take work off, and mm-hmm. especially for these teams at West, uh, they really they have no opportunity to work unless they can do it through their phones or through their computer. But so that that's one thing. But you know. I, my thought on the Minto is like, if they're going to do a tournament, do a tournament. Have a yeah. one game final. If they're going to do a series, do a series, and 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 have it like that. Like those kids of the Minto Cup were playing so much lacrosse, especially Orangeville and Coquitlam, like that. Yeah. You know, you're watching it. It's exciting lacrosse, but at the same time, like, man, these guys must be just toast, and you just hope that nothing bad happens. But you know, that's not my my call to make. But yeah, you know, like I said, my. I, I think if they're going to do a tournament, just do a tournament, have a one-game final like the Memorial Cup in hockey. It's uh, a, a few days away. Um, are are you ready for, for what's about to happen come Friday? Uh, yeah, I, I feel great. You know, but, you know, the body's obviously a little tired from that uh, Peterborough series, but, you know, I've had a few days rest now, and we're going to have a couple practices here. Uh, this week, um, and you know, I'm I'm personally feeling great. I know uh, I know our team was a little banged up, but you know, this week this week rest will will do us a lot of a lot of good. And like I said, we're just we're just excited, and you know, it'll be pretty easy to ride the wave of emotion from uh, from the Six Nations uh, community. Well, my friend, it will be uh, an absolutely fantastic week of lacrosse. I wish you the best of luck, and appreciate you giving us some time, and have some good times. <laughs> absolutely, thanks, Teddy. Appreciate it. Dylan Ward of the Six Nations Chiefs joining us here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Uh, good times, I think, will be had by everybody who gets out and watches the Minto Cup. And for you um, and me, if you're unable to get to Six Nations, because unfortunately I don't have a flight, um, you can watch the games for free thanks to the amazing folks at JVI and some of their incredible sponsors um, who have put up the money to allow JVI to stream the games for free. You can check it out on YouTube. Uh, so go, just go to YouTube.com and type in JVI video, and then just go to their page, and all the games will be there. Uh, you can go back and watch a bunch of the MSL final games right now if you happen to miss some, or you maybe want to do a little scouting. You want to be um, you know, in the know of everything that the Six Nations Chiefs bring. Don't watch the first three games because that's when they weren't at their best. And also, uh, they didn't have Cody Jamison. Uh, and you heard the story that Dylan Ward told. But how remarkable is it? And I don't think that gets enough play as it's been getting. Cody Jamison was ruled out for the rest of the summer with a knee injury. Now, there were different speculative reports, whether it was ACL or MCL, if it was anything was torn or what. But let's just go out and say he wasn't expected back. And as Dill recounted, they're sitting in the locker room, getting ready for game four, backs against the wall, and in walks Jammer. Hey, Jammer, what are you doing, bud? 
I'm here to play a lacrosse game. And that's it. No big deal. Jammer stepped on the floor. I remember, um, I want to say it was uh, Patty Gregoire, uh, who will be doing color with Stephen Stamp for the Man Cup, uh, just so you know, if you're wondering who's going to be doing it. It's not myself. It's not Jake Elliott. Not Brad. Uh, it's an Eastern Man Cup. The Eastern guys get to call it. It's just the way it kind of works. Um, but I remember uh, Patty Gregoire tweeting out, oh, my God, Jammer's on the floor. And I was like, what? That's not supposed to happen. And then he's like, oh, no, false alarm. He was just kind of throwing the ball around. And then a few minutes later, I lied. He's on the floor. I was like, come on. Really? There's no way he should be on the floor. But the ACL, if it is ACL, and I'm not trying to put cart in front of horse or anything um, or start spread rumors, but knee injuries can be very fickle. Um, you know, there's been guys who have had torn knees and played with a brace for mo- most of their careers without ever having surgery. I believe Kurt Miloski was one of them. He just played with the brace on. Needed surgery, never had it, just went out and played. Jammer kind of doing the same thing. And really helped put his team over the hump. And it was just incredible to see the performance that he had in that series. And, you know, he only played eight of the 13 possible games and only the last four of the finals. Still chipped in 16 points. Sorry, 22 points. Um, But this is going to be a very dangerous Six Nations team. Um, They have experience. Um, They have veteran leadership. They have incredible goaltending. And they have guys who have been there before and played in big games. Now, on the other side of the floor, the Maple Ridge Brards. If uh, stats are correct, and if what I've been told is correct, they only have two guys who have ever played in a Man Cup. Trivia question, who are they? Three, two, one. No, that's not correct. Uh, The answer is Sam Cook and Jarrett Davis. The only two guys to play in a Man Cup. Jarrett did it with Brampton, Sammy did it with the Langley Thunder. Um, it was an incredible WLA Finals. And, you know, as a Shamrock alumni and a guy that has grown up watching this franchise, this organization, and for lack of a better term, bleeding green, it, it sucked to see the Shamrocks lose. It sucked to see them lose in six. But you know what? With all the injuries that they had and everything they battled through, they gave it everything. And I am so proud of all of those guys. And it was a pleasure to watch them battle through everything. You know, the injury to King and McShane and Doug Langlois and Fagan and and then losing Jeff Shatler for game six. Like, you couldn't have been dealt a worse hand. And Chris Welch constantly said it. He's like, I've never seen anything like it. We went the entire regular season injury-free, and then we get to the playoffs, and everything goes sideways. It would have been incredible for Victoria to win their fourth straight WLA championship. Um, 
Nobody had done that since Victoria did it when they went to five straight man cups uh, between 2002 and 2006. But you know what? Maple Ridge was the better team. You know what? If Victoria is full health, it's obviously a completely different series. Um, Victoria has a much better chance. I still don't know if they beat Maple Ridge. I think the biggest, there were two factors in that series. Obviously, injuries being number one of them was huge. And you can't replace the offensive skills of Jesse King. Heck, you couldn't, it was hard replacing Ian McShane. But you know what? Braylon Lum did an incredible job. And that junior A call-up was fantastic. All the junior A call-ups, Cole Pickup when he got his chance. Zach Christensen played a game. And Marshall King was in for a few as well. You know, it's tough for those young kids to step up, but they did. They did everything they were asked for, and they had to be commended for the efforts that they put in. But the injuries were just too much for Victoria to overcome. And then when you look at the goaltending, and Frankie Shiliano was a huge difference maker in that series. Um, he was the MVP of the WLA Finals. Easily well-deserved. And I think he's going to have to be just as big when Maple Ridge goes to the Man Cup because goaltending can take you a long, long way. And Frankie is the best the WLA has to offer. And Maple Ridge is better because of him. And as Frankie goes, Maple Ridge will go. And there are a lot of people who are saying this is going to be a sweep. A lot of people are saying Maple Ridge doesn't stand a chance. I don't buy into it. I've been to Man Cups. I was a part of that five-man cup run. I know what it takes to compete. I know what it takes to get absolutely blown out in a Man Cup. But there is no way that Maple Ridge is just going to be happy with going to the Man Cup. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. They have incredible goaltending. They have a rugged, in-your-face, aggressive defense, and they have a fantastic young offense. They may not have the depth that Six Nations has. That's no surprise. But what they lack in depth, they definitely make up for in heart and determination. And I'm going to go out and say that this is not a sweep. I still don't know who wins. You know what? I would love to see Maple Ridge win this. First of all, shut all the doubters up. Second of all, they could just laugh in the face of everybody who put that surety bond on them. And it would be one of the stories of the year because it's still been 30 years since a WLA team won on the road. I actually think it's 30 years this year. And when New West won on the road. The last time Maple Ridge was in a Man Cup was 1990. They were the Vancouver Berards at the time. I think there's only like, there's a few guys on the Berards team right now that weren't even alive then. And a great article in the province paper in Vancouver kind of ties these two teams together. Uh, it was written by Steve Ewan. Um, and a lot of people know this, but the last time Maple Ridge or the Berards were in the Man Cup when they were Vancouver, 
John Tavares was a WLA rookie. Unfortunately for the Bards, they got four banked. However, it's a nice little tie-in to this series. And I truly believe it will be a fantastic series. Um, I like the Chiefs in six, maybe even five. I'm not counting out Maple Ridge after what they've done this year. And it would really be interesting to see where this team would have finished had that surety bond not been put in place. They were 5-0 and or 5-0-1 when that got handed down. Would have been interesting. We're going to ask Rob Williams that pretty quick here. He and I were teammates in Edmonton. We have... Lengthy conversations quite often, sometimes about concussions, other times about life, most times about lacrosse. And we're going to have a good one here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Rob Sato-Williams of the Berards joined us. Sato, um, has it sunk in yet that you are a WLA champion? <laughs> Still sinking in, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's, the, what's the bigger surprise, Coach of the Year or WLA champion at this point? Um, well, I've known, I, I remember like have, telling the guys a long time ago, I think it was after, well, anyways, it doesn't matter. It was like four years ago and, uh, we didn't know which way the coaches direction of the coaching staff was going to go. And I thought maybe it was my last year with the Brards. And I remember telling the guys that were there then mm-hmm. that they had a special group of guys. So this, like, and the guys that we've drafted since have like been I like very, I like, to the same characteristics and and uh, and uh, and all the stuff that have kind of built into this. So I can't say mm-hmm. being BC champions is a surprise. I, I I think that I've known that this group's been in the making for for quite a long time, and that they have the ability. Um, Coach of the year is a big surprise for me, considering all the things that have gone on and and uh, just the road to get here. So and the fact that you won it in your first year has got to be pretty special. Yeah, uh, it's, like I said, it hasn't really sunk in. I just kind of yeah. have been focusing on things are at hand, and it's not really sitting back and thinking about it. So. Yeah, well, you have you have bigger fish to fry, don't you? Um, it was uh, a weird year for the Brards. Everybody knows about the surety bond and, and everything that happened. What was the biggest challenge for you guys as a team to just put that behind you and move forward? I think that uh, the biggest challenge for us were the boundaries that were set on us and for us to figure out where we could go and what we were able to do and what we were capable of doing. Because it's not like everybody in lacrosse knows the way it was set up and the way it worked in the process. It a tough thing to deal with. As a lacrosse team, like emotions run high in lacrosse. So, where does everyone draw the lines? There were several things that happened after what happened with us mm-hmm. that bordered on the same or worse, in my opinion, and nothing came of them. But what if we were in those situations? Yeah. Then what would have happened? And, and you know, as well as I do, like I just said, emotions run high. Yeah. Things happen, and then what? Like someone makes a mistake. Like several people, like I said, several people made mistakes after after yeah. what we did and I'm sure it would have been handled differently if it was us. So yeah. it was hard to find that line of 
what we were able to, how we were able to play. And if we were still like, we're a physical aggressive team. So mm-hmm. um, how do like, where do we draw the line? Like, yeah. And I think we had a bit of a battle with that for the, for about four or five games after. And then we just kind of went on with our season and decided to play Berard lacrosse and, and things worked out. <laughs> they did indeed. And, and you know what, as a guy that, has battled you as a player and, and you as an assistant coach in the Berards for a number of years. Your your game plan has never changed. It's always been Berards ball. And you've always been a physical team. You've always been a team that sort of gotten in the face of others. Is that going to work to your advantage, you think, going back east? Is that – because it's rare – it's very rare for a Western team to go back with the attitude that the Berards have and play the tile style of ball the Berards play. Well, my honest opinion is it's not like it's not something that's made up. We drafted a bunch of guys with grit mm-hmm. and a bunch of and we have a dress room of guys that, that not that every dress room doesn't and I believe every dress room does, but there's something to be said about a team that you know every guy on that team has your back. Mm-hmm. And they do. Like these guys like like these guys have each other's back and care about each other a lot and been together for a while now and the cohesiveness and the and, and the way guys feel about each other in our dressing room is apparent when you walk in. Yeah. Like during our meeting during our meeting for the the Siri Bond, uh Rob Delzell who's new to the coaching staff said he has been around for a long, long time and he mm-hmm. has never never experienced the feeling that there is an address here. Uh, and it is like, it, it, you can, it, it's, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Yeah. You've probably been there before yourself, but for me with this team, it's, it, I, I, it, it's a special bond. And I think like, we're not, what I'm trying to say is to back, back to your question is it's, it's not made up. It's, no. So I'm not, we're not going back and posing as something. Not, this is the way we play ball, and this is the way we're going to continue to play ball, and this is who we are. So, um, whether whether I like, I believe I like us against any team because of it. So, yeah. do I think it could be successful back there? I think so. This is the way we played all year. This is who we are. This is what it's, I know that they're tough. Yeah. You can't. You'd have to be blind not to know that they're 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 a big, strong, physical team. Just like us, I think it's going to be great playoff lacrosse, and yeah. that's what it should be. Like, and I think it'll be a bit of a throwback. I've I've seen people throw that out. I think it will be a bit of a throwback. I don't think you're going to see anything crazy. I think you're going to see some physical lacrosse. That's yeah, playoff lacrosse. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to be part of. Um, do you like? And I know your guys do for the most part. Do you like the the Berard Street Bully name? It's it taken for it taken for what taken for what it is. Yeah. It's like people put that tag on us, and we kind of it. I how what can I compare it to? People threw that tag on us. It was yeah. it was it was put on us a couple of years ago, and we took it to like have some fun with it and go with it because what are we what are we gonna do? That's how people are are, yeah. are perceiving us, anyways. So mm-hmm. um, if you take it out of context. And 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 put it towards some other stuff that doesn't mean good things in today's yeah. society. No, but it's not. It's 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 
it was just us having fun with something that we thought was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> league throwing at us. Yeah. Like, so, um, I don't know. That's perfect. That's exactly there's, how. There's lots of things in society that are that, that are done like that now, right? Like if something's negative, turn it into a positive. I mean, or try and turn it into a positive in a a positive spin on things. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's focus on the positives of your team, and you've mentioned it a few times. You guys have done an incredible job drafting. Um, mm-hmm. from Ben McIntosh, Taylor, Lowen, um, you get Frankie early on. This has been a growing process, and there's a ton of guys that I haven't mentioned, but to see this group grow together, it's got to be pretty remarkable that they have achieved what they have, but also at the same time not because, like you said, you brought in great quality players. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe, like in the the process that we've gone through, uh, Fridgey to start with helping out with that. And then Gilly coming in and giving us a wealth of knowledge that he picked up in other places and the way things were done in other places was a big help. And then Ray Como, um, came in and, uh, had a bunch of, uh, great information on different players. I think mm-hmm. he's the guy's the guy that pushed the porters and, uh, and then, uh, and then Rob Delzell this year, get, like in the draft, told us two guys that he wanted. We ended up draft. We ended up trading for one, and mm-hmm. uh, turned out both of them turned out to be well, three players actually that he's he were, were big on his list turned out to be unbelievable for us this year. So it's been a, like this group of guys that have come and gone through this process and been part of this. It's it's been like a great team kind of system where we we uh, respect each other's opinions and and uh and aren't afraid to be corrected and it's kind of it's turned into uh a good a good uh character kind of uh i don't know we we i think we've done a good job of judging the characters mm-hmm. that we have absolutely. Our teams. absolutely um you you mentioned the porters and you and i have talked about uh colton and zach at nausea uh, just how good they are and how underappreciated they are outside of maybe the WLA. Why do you think it is that they haven't gotten a true look outside of BC? Um, I honestly think that you have to see firsthand. I would, I dare anybody to try. Like, I, I would put Zach and Colton up against anyone in a strength test. Wow. Like, they are. We'll watch them. Like yeah, I watched, oh yeah, no, I, I watched them that, check yeah. Daryl. I watched them check, uh, not Daryl. I watched them check Digby two years ago out of the playoffs. I watched yeah. them check. You know, like I've I've watched them check bigger guys over and over until they can't handle them anymore and they go away. Mm-hmm. Like they are tenacious, strong little guys. Yeah, you can. They're not tall, but there's been a ton of tall, not tall guys in NLL that have been Absolutely. successful that are very. Very athletic and very smart, and that's what it mm-hmm. comes down to. Like, I, I, I got a whole list of guys that they they could be compared to, and I, and maybe, I they have more heart than most of those guys too. I, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's just a case of people getting over a number. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it really is. It's just a matter of time until, 
until they they can't be denied anymore. It's just like the way they play. You cannot deny them. They're, oh, eventually, they're just going to take you over. So, um, Another guy that uh, – and Marty O'Neill wrote a fantastic piece on Inside Lacrosse about him and, and his style of play and guys like him, and, and that's Kevin Reed. Victoria fans can't stand him. I didn't like him when I played against him, but now that I've stopped and stepped away from the game and I've actually gotten to know Kevin quite well – uh, he's a very humble guy, and he's a, a true family guy. And, and I didn't know this, but he like he goes up to the Sunshine Coast and commutes back and forth all the time just to make games. And that sacrifice is something you don't see often in the summertime. You see that often in the National Lacrosse League with guys traveling back and forth. But it, the rap on, on Kevin isn't good. It's great in that locker room, and you guys love him, which is fantastic. But sell me and tell everybody else on Kevin Reed. Uh, well, I, like if, if you watch, for instance, like it's for the theatrics and everything else that everybody sees and, and, and deals with, uh, watch the last game of our series against Victoria. If he wasn't one of the best players on the, t- on the floor, I don't know who was, like mm-hmm. he was my game star in that game. Like picked up a ton of loose balls, was huge on the faceoffs. I think he got two apples in that game. Like. The, some of the some of the like getting in people's heads. Let's be honest. Like, was he in Dutchie's head? I believe he was. Oh, absolutely. I believe he did. And and so that's his. That's part of his makeup and part of his job. He can be. And then and and when you have a conversation with him about maybe when he's taking it too far, he can dial it back in. He dialed it back into the last couple of games when it yeah. mattered when we needed when we needed to lose balls. Like one of the things I said was Kev. You know, like the stuff on the faceoffs, maybe, you know, we need Kev Reed, the loose ball guy back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like instead of that stuff, pay attention to loose ball. And look what happened. He came out and, and like, honestly, that last game, watch it again. I dare oh, you to watch me and tell me someone who played better than him in that game. I'd it'd be hard pressed. So, and it's been how long? Like, come on, man. Like this. Well, he's about 14 been, years. He's been 14. No. How many years has he been in the league? Yeah, 13, I think. 13 or 14 years he's been playing yeah. senior ball, and he's never made it this far. And you could see it on the emotion in his face when that game was over. Yeah, man. He, 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 and that's one of the guys in the dressing room that you know that guy next to you is, has got your back. Mm-hmm. And he's doing everything he can for you to win. So, I, you know, there's been guys come and gone in this league that, you know, that – Played similar roles, but with not as not as big a balls. Pardon my language, but that's all right, buddy. It's a podcast. Right? Man. Say whatever you want. You're good. Well, um, <laughs> and, and no, and that's that's the thing I've I've always loved, you know, hated and loved about Kevin. And and people will say, oh, I wouldn't take him on on my team. That's a lie, and they know it. Because if that guy was wearing a Shamrock jersey, he'd be, you know, heralded as one of the best players Victoria had all year if he played the way he did for you. And, and people need to get over that. People need to just step back, take the glasses off, and realize that Kevin Reed, as antics as he has, is a really good lacrosse player. And he's improved over his career, especially in the last three or four years, instead of where a lot of people who have been in this league for 14 years would tend to go downwards. And it's impressive to see that he continues and is getting better. He had seven points in the playoffs this year. Right. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, and um, that's stuff that people yeah. don't see because yeah. it's the other. But it is, it is, it like he he does. Didn't you know the other thing about him too? Is he's unapologetic. He this is him. So yeah. I, you know what? I know what I get with Kevin Reed. You know what you get with Kevin Reed. So at the end of the day, I, I would prefer that than someone who plays like that and then pretends to be something else. Yeah, and yeah. there is guys we know that. 
Mm-hmm. So we, we've been around long enough to know that there's guys that play that role and then try to pretend to be something else that they're not after on the floor or off the floor. It doesn't really matter. So that's Kevin Reed in a nutshell for you. Absolutely. He, um, he is what you get. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Reed, is there any chance Creighton Reed gets back? He, he is back. He is back. He is back. Well, there you go. Breaking news here on Off the Crossbar. Creighton Reed is back. Um, can you uh, fill us in on, on sort of his road to recovery? Like, I don't think anybody really knows, and I, you probably don't want to say just to give them any, any firepower, let's call it upper body, but he's been working hard to get back in that lineup. Yeah, uh, he did all the right things and all took all the right steps, and he's ready to go. He's been given the echo, and I, there's no there's no uh, – more than anything, the timeline was more. He's probably been ready for a while. I just yeah, it, not knowing like preparation timeline. Uh, yeah, it it just it is what it is. He's been good. I think he's been good for a while though, and I don't think he'd uh, jeopardize anything for winter if he didn't think he was ready. So yeah, and that's a huge boost for you guys to get him back. Well, massive. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, there's not many, not many. Uh, in my opinion, better uh, guys at, at stretching the floor than Creighton Reed. So, uh, Travis Irving uh, missed the last few games. That was work related. Work related. So he should be yeah. back. Yeah. So he'll be back for you guys. He is back. Yeah. Um, and Sammy Cook, he went down in Game Five with a, maybe an ankle injury or something like that. He's okay. Yeah, he's fine. I'm not sure what it was exactly, yeah. but yeah, he's Perfect. he's he's good to go too. Yeah, we're uh, uh, we're a healthy bunch. That, that's good because Victoria wouldn't be able to see that because they were ap- – have you ever seen that? Like, we talked a lot during the NLL about how the Rock were decimated with injuries all year long. But have you ever seen a team, like, go a year healthy and then in the playoffs just absolutely crushed with injuries like Victoria did? Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. You know, like, I, 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 I've had time to reflect, too. And, uh, I, you know, I really give the Victoria players a lot of credit for – the, the character that they played with and uh, under the circumstances he played with. I mean, mm-hmm. his lacrosse is tough. And I think that not to the same extreme probably, but I, there's, that's what they say. Right. And especially with two or three, uh, seven game series, it's, mm-hmm. it's a battle of attrition, right? Whoever kind of makes it out of that with the least amount of injuries is probably going to win. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, and I, and you saw that in that series back there too. I think there was guys playing hurt. I, I yeah, think there well, was a few guys playing hurt on both teams. Right. So yeah. Cody Jameson came back. We, we wasn't ever expected to play. And I was talking right. with Dylan Ward about this before we had you on. And, and Dill said that, you know, when they all showed up to the rink for game four, they were like, okay, let's go play game four. And then all of a sudden Jammer walked in with his gear bag and they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm playing. They're like, really? He's like, yeah. And 10 minutes later, he was in getting his knee taped off. And he was never expected to play for the rest of the year, which right. and that just is is incredible. Um, you talked about uh, Kevin Reed probably being your best player in that game six, but was there anybody better all year long than Frankie? Uh, no, Frankie was definitely. I, I would say honestly, Frankie and Mike Mallory are MVPs. Yeah, I can't like they both they both carried us at times when we needed people to carry us, even like. Miles in the last game was three and two. And like I said, with Skiggs, you can, if there was a save percentage for third periods, he would, it would be out of this world. It would be mm-hmm. like a sky, like a skyrocket number. Like, so uh, those kind of guys uh, that step up at the, at the big moments, and the right moments. And when we need them the most kind of, I would say, I mean, we have a 
great group of guys that have mm-hmm. like different games that stood up, but Malz has been consistent from game one all the way through. And uh, and uh, Frankie, same thing. Look at the minutes. Look at the, the yeah, shots. Yeah, like, like just in, insanity, right? So yeah, like I, you can't take anything away from the year Zach Boychuk had, and his numbers were, were incredible. But I still think, and I said this on the webcast, that Frankie Shiliano was the best goalie in the WA this year, hands down. Yeah, and I the the funny part is like, uh, you know what Boychuk. In the Nimo, he put, he he had some amazing games too, and, and I think I, I have nothing but respect for him. Mm-hmm. But Frankie is, in my in my opinion, Frankie is definitely the best goal, goalie in the WLA. Oh, easy, hands down. Yeah. Um. So you guys leave tomorrow, Wednesday. Um. You'll have uh, some time to get acclimated Thursday, and they'll do all the press conference and all that hoopla. Which just get ready for it. It's really boring. Um. But it all starts Friday. So, <laughs> trust me, those opening ceremonies, that opening gala media event is one of the most boring things you'll ever attend in your life. Um, but game one is Friday. Uh, what's the biggest What's the biggest concern you have for your team going against Six Nations? Well, hopefully we don't have any concerns. I'm open to going with confidence. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think just being prepared. We just got to be prepared. Uh, have you watched Not much really game well. film on them yet? Yeah, we have. We have, we have our actual uh, Rob Delzell does a great job with uh, with game film and getting it out to us and sending it out to us and cutting it up. And so uh, he's a key component. Yeah. What's what's their biggest strength? Well, experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 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 a big they're a big team. Um, their biggest strengths for me is that they have a uh, very similar defense to Buffalo. I feel like a big solid D that doesn't get, doesn't, doesn't get moved out of place very often. They're kind of always in the right spot and good. They have a very good system in their back end and they have some great experienced guys up front with, uh, Dan Dawson and, and, uh, and, uh, Smith and, uh, or Dane Smith. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> they got some. They definitely and and Jameson. They got some leaders. Yeah, some real good leaders, right? So um, I, I know experience is in their hands. Yeah, I, I know Lance, Lance Andre wouldn't say this, but um, you guys are most likely going in as the underdogs. Um, are you okay with that? Um. Yeah. I mean, if if that's the if that's the way it's labeled, I, yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, when haven't we been? <laughs> Fair enough. Honestly. Yeah. Right? Fair enough. So, um, we kind of continue to grind and battle. So, um, hope everybody's ready for that. Uh, well, Victoria fans experienced it firsthand and, and you guys are the Western representatives and you know what? You guys absolutely deserve it. Um, Thanks, I know buddy. there are, there are some haters and they can have their haterade all they want. But you guys deserved it. You guys battled through everything. And I truly hope you guys come back and bring that trophy and keep it out west, my friend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, Safe travels. And uh, I know we'll be watching back here live on JVI. And uh, best of luck and have some fun. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. Always great catching up with Sato. Um, I've known him since, I don't know, I think like, 92, uh, when he and my brother were members of the Team Canada U19 field lacrosse team. 
And uh, ever since we've kind of started playing against each other, we've kind of had a bit of a bond. And then when we were in Edmonton together, we grew that much closer. And then, um, you know, over the past few years, Sato and I have grown quite close. Um, I'm so happy uh, for Sato. Um, you know, he was a Berard for a long, long time. He was a part of those teams that were in the dark days and and not doing so well. Um, and then, you know, the Berard started to get better. And I remember, you know, playing them in the playoffs and, and not wanting to play them in the playoffs because they played Berard ball. The same style of lacrosse they played then, they're playing now. Um, and Rob has taken over that team and done an incredible job. And uh, it's just... You know, people don't like Maple Ridge out west. It's the way it is. They don't like the way they play. They don't like their arena. I don't know, maybe they don't like their jerseys. But how can you not like a team that just goes out and plays their style of lacrosse? It may not be the most popular, but you know what? They got the job done, and they're representing the West. And all those times where people have said, Oh, how come you're not cheering for the Shamrocks? They're the Western team going to the Man Cup. You should be cheering for the Shamrocks. Well, I hope everybody out West, despite your allegiance, jumps on the Berard's bandwagon. I know one guy that's not. He can have it. He can throw down the wall and keep his green rose-colored glasses on all he wants. But you know what? I'm on the Berard train. Get me a shirt, get me a hat, get me a Kevin Reed jersey. Go, Berards, go. It pains me to say that. I, I can't believe I just said that. But you know what? They deserve it. They were the better team. They fought through their own adversity. They just went out and played their ball, and they are off to their first man cup in a long time, 36 years. My goodness. And it all gets going Friday night. The Brards will leave Wednesday. Um, I was trying to get Sato earlier today, but it didn't work because he had to tie loose ends up at work. And I know there's a lot of guys um, on that Brard squad. It happens with every team that always has to travel to the Man Cup. Got to find a way to get time off of work. And I don't think anybody on that Berard team is a teacher, so that's good. Um, I'm not sure if anybody on the Chiefs is a teacher. Uh, I remember in years past, um, one year we were out in Peterborough and we had cause on our team, and uh, after every game, Seamus Sarkany would drive him from Peterborough back to his home so that he could get a night's rest, go to school, Seamus would drive back, and the next day you drive all the way back up, pick Cause up after school, drive him all the way back, Cause would have to play, and then they just do the trip over. And Cause was napping in the back seats of the car while Seamus drove the, whatever, two hours there and back just so Cause could play. Um, everybody will remember Adam Jones in the Man Cup last year played games one and two and then had to go back to teach, and they were hoping that he was going to be in time for game six. He was on a plane while game six was happening just in case a game seven was necessary. But at last it wasn't. But that's what these guys sacrifice, man. All summer long, all winter long, getting co-workers to cover shifts, 
taking extra shifts when they can just to bank hours so that when the Man Cup comes along, they can give 100%. And let's just hope that everybody's free and clear of work. Um, I don't know if anybody is going to be affected by NCAA eligibility. Um, the Stats brothers are the only two, or sorry, Austin Stats might be the only one that I can think of right now. And boy, has he been good. Uh, 18 years old, stepping up and playing in a man cup. Uh, what was the stat that I read uh, the other day? He's already won a Minto, a Founders, a President's Cup. And now he's playing in a Minto. I think that's what it was. Something incredible. And he's just turned 18. Um, speaking of incredible, Ryan Dilks won another championship last week. Uh, part of the Edmonton Miners. Uh, when they won the President's Cup. Uh, so congratulations to them. I, I didn't give them um, much love during this show. Just there was so much talk about the Man Cup. Um, we'll, we'll try to fit in some P-Cup action uh, next week. Um, just point of broadcasting note. Um, next week will probably be the second to last one uh, for a little while. I'm going to take a bit of a break. It's been a long year. And the off season's here. So what we'll do is we'll do next Tuesday's episode, and then we'll do one more because that'll wrap up everything. The Minto Cup will officially be over by then, and we'll kind of get you set up for the draft. We might have to come back and do one for the draft and everything that happens, but we'll keep you apprised. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week. So here's what you need to know for the Man Cup one last time. It all gets going Friday. They'll do 2-3-2. Two, two. They'll go Friday, Saturday, have Sunday off. They'll go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, Friday, Saturday. Obviously, the Wednesday, Friday, Saturday are if necessary. And hopefully, for the good of lacrosse, it is. Seven games, all free, courtesy of JVI on their YouTube channel, would be glorious. Um, one thing that I always loved about being on the road for the Man Cup was the Sunday day off. And maybe this is why we never won on the road. Um, but as we all know, Sunday's the f real opening day of the NFL season. Thursday, my Broncos take on those lame Panthers um, to do a rematch. So that kicks off the season, but it's the first Sunday of NFL football and the first real day of football. And that's the day off of the Man Cup. And we always used to go quick, do a quick morning shoot-around, uh, just get out of the hotel, get the legs moving, just get out of bed kind of thing. And then we'd go pop up somewhere and play some Kino and play some sports action, have a few wobbles, just get away from lacrosse and enjoy some football. So um, that's how I always know when the Man Cup is. It's always right around the NFL start. Um, best of luck to the Chiefs and the Berards. Uh, it is a Man Cup summer, and it is Man Cup time. Thanks to Colin Monroe, thanks to Dylan Ward, thanks to Rob Williams, and thank you to you for stopping by and joining us on another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Take a friend to a game. If you can't take a friend, sit down, bring him over to your house, and watch the game because there is nothing better than mental health. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other.